I checked my phone and it was 74 degrees, which <laughs> I'm sure all of my East Coast friends are going to be pissed at me for saying. But anyway, that's the way it is in the, uh, in the SF. Anyway, show number six. Here we are. Uh, today, my guests are, uh, I guess, the co-founders. Should we call them the co-founders? Founder and co-founder co-foundees, I'm not sure, of Harmonic Brewing, sure. my, my two good friends, John Verna and Eddie Gobo, Hello. <laughs> and also joining us in studio is uh, my very first infant guest, Layla Gobo. Five months old. <laughs> it was five months old, and uh, so we'll be talking to her a little bit about what it's like to be an infant Wee. these days, <laughs> and how that's, uh, how that's going in 2014. Get a little insight on that. Uh, so, anyway, here we are in the studio. Welcome to both of you. Thank thanks. you for coming it's in. It's like to be here. Thanks for having us, and thanks for having the baby. You know, <laughs> it's, it is pretty tough trying to start a business, uh, being a young couple with a new baby and mom and dad both working. So, uh, yeah. thanks for allowing Layla to join the <laughs> interwebs. Uh, the the Audra show is happy happy to accommodate. You know, it takes a village, as we've discussed. <laughs> and I think I can't I can't be sure about this, but I think that Layla might be the first infant guest in the in the history of FCC, at least according to uh, some of the other hosts that I've seen. I can't imagine any of them actually hosting a baby. <laughs> no pressure, Layla. <laughs> no pressure, but you're here to represent infants everywhere. Uh so let's, uh, you know, let's get into it. You guys brought us some harmonic beer. Are yes. we going to bust that open? Do we need a bottle opener? Or? Yeah, I got an opener. Oh, okay. Daddy's got a bottle opener if he can find it. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, harmonic and uh, what's going on with harmonic and the status. It's in the process of being... Yeah, planning for many, many months as it typically takes a long time to get any brick and mortar business going especially breweries have their own complications associated with them but and then san francisco adds another layer <laughs> of uh difficulty just to get a business going but yeah these days this pretty much uh watch out there oh boy quick pour oh boy um, we've got a gusher we've got a gusher in the house i don't uh We, so, are, <laughs> we are. We don't have technical difficulties. <laughs> this is the first time I'm so far not having technical difficulties, but we're having uh, beer difficulties. Hold on. All right, Eddie, you keep talking about harmonic. Yeah, this, this is what happens when you transfer a beer in a car uh, to get over here in 10 minutes. Yeah. And we were worried about Layla. That's right. It's the beer we have to worry about. I've got some toilet paper here that we can use. Perfect. So harmonic uh, kind of came into existence uh, a couple of years ago. I'm a uh, chemical engineer by training and profession. And um, the breaking bad of beer. That's right. Love making things. Um, and the pharma world was a lot of fun for me for a number of years. And um, just kind of got tired of the corporate aspect of it. Um, and I wanted to add a little more creativity to, to the whole process of making something. And uh, so started homebrewing about maybe 10 years ago. And um, 
really uh, became a big passion of mine. Um, very similar to making drugs, uh, <laughs> except you can taste your product along the way. <laughs> right. Um, and it's legal. So Might, It's probably not going to explode. Yeah. It got to the point that a lot of us get to, I guess, in our jobs where it's like you're going in every day and uh, just not really wanting to be there. And um, kind of fantasizing about the other side of, well, you know, like owning your own business and and uh, making beer and making right. people happy. And so took the leap a couple of years ago and uh, started getting the company together. Um, and John and I have been friends for a number of years since uh, since college. Back in the day. Um, yeah. And so we really shared the same vision of, hey, you know, San Francisco, it's missing, it's missing really a San Francisco brewery, kind of uh, something that embodies the heart and soul of SF and the grittiness. The and grittier side, the urban side of it. Yeah. So Harmonic is, uh, is tapping into the urban side. That's right. Yeah, we're trying to tap into that. I mean, we're big music fans, so that's definitely has a part of the part of the brand, a little more of a rock and roll type of feel to it. Right. You know, nod to the all the greats that have come out of San Francisco, and also just the awesome music scene here. And yeah, just it's marrying a perfect that combo. With, yeah, I mean, every concert we go to, it's great to have good craft beers at some of our favorite venues. Um, so those th- two things definitely go hand in hand. And right. it's really, you know, it comes back to we always kind of looking for the right way to describe it to people, and it's really the soul of San Francisco. And, you know, the music plays into that as well, but, you know, really the soul of San Francisco. We've been here now uh, a long time and really understand the city and the people and want to give them a brewery, uh, something we can be proud of and the city can be proud of that really matches San Francisco well. Right. And uh, and that's what Harmonic is. And we've been, you know, for every aspect of our planning and everything, we've always kept that in mind. And we're not a big corporation. It's, you know, it's it's uh, three of us starting this. It's John, myself, and uh, we have a buddy, uh, Eric Tisch from uh, oh. uh, Colorado. We should um, have Tisch calling. Yeah, he is currently, he might be listening right now. He's currently driving from Denver, the Denver area to uh, Flagstaff. Oh, it's really? either Flagstaff, New Mexico, or Flagstaff, Arizona. <laughs> but it's, oh. probably, it's probably Arizona. <laughs> probably. Uh, well, Eric Tish, if you're listening live, FaceTime me. If you still have my phone Call number. Me. <laughs> um, he actually might. He knows we were just texting with him. He knows that we're, we're on. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people ask when we kind of – getting the brewery together well what's your shtick what's your what's your thing what differentiates you right what makes harmonics yeah and, and i think our shtick is that there is no shtick we're just really genuine uh we make well thought out beers balanced beers i think the, the name harmonic uh plays into a number of aspects of what we stand for in terms of you know being in harmony with our community and the people um right. and our flavors of our beer primarily you know high high quality beers that um don't blow the palate out with too many hops or too much sweetness. It's kind of yeah. well thought out recipes that have been tweaked for many years. And um, chemically engineered to be pure. That's exactly. right. We've really taken, you know, it's uh, marrying the science and the art uh, together. And that's what, that's what brewing is. 
Um, that's what every brewer does, and um, you know, we're we're trying to put our personality into that as well. It's like making brewed music. You're yes. brewing up a musical. I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> us being big music fans, we've always kind of described, I guess, one cool way of describing it that I look at it in my mind. I, I make I pick the analogy to music a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've always said we don't want to be the Gangnam style of beer where we have some <laughs> crazy new flavor that... Uh, I thought the Macarena was... Is that still hot? <laughs> yeah. The Macarena. Uh, basically, you know, that that, that the... To have a flavor that is popular and new and everybody talks about it for a week and then it disappears. Right. We'd more like to be the Almond Brothers of Brewing, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, which is doing things the right way, um, quality, and having some staying power. Longevity. Um, longevity, for That's sure. Right. You're in it for the long haul. That's it. That's great. So is there now, I mean, I know you guys... I mean, have been brewing for a while and, and playing with different things. Have you guys come up with, like, a set menu? Or is that going to be an ever-changing thing? Well, it's always going to be yeah. changing. We, have, uh, we definitely have some staples that, uh, you know, like I said, we've been working on recipes for a really long time. Um, and we have some that are they're just good all, all year round. And, uh, and we want to make sure we offer that to people so, it's, so people can count on it, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> definitely some styles you know like a, a pale ale a rye pale ale an ipa those are some of our favorite styles but also just very the hot sellers in craft beer these days right popular items yeah, yeah and they're popular because people want them they want to drink you know easy easy drinking delicious beer sessionable beer with with soul right um, you know, so one of our main beers is a uh, is a rye old fashioned, and it's named after the cocktail, the old fashioned. Uh, kind of try to mimic uh, that cocktail, or at least get inspiration from it in a beer form. So it has uh, a lot of rye in it, which adds a, a, a spicy backbone to the beer, um, making it a little different than other pale ales. But then it's a spicy backbone. I like it. Yeah, and then uh, I um, mean, can you taste any in liquor in something like that? Or I mean, it's not supposed to taste like a liquor. It's really it's it's a it's supposed to taste like a beer, and all of our beers do taste like beers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, there, you know, there are beers out there that don't taste like. You beers. do have some very unique beers that I've tried. Like, what was that? With like passion fruit. I mean, that yeah, was, it was a passion, passion fruit. fruit with. That's what. Yeah. Tish brought that to the table. That was excellent. Yeah, delicious. Uh, that's a kind of a style that we could do feature in the summertime, right? Uh, or the Indian summer here in San Francisco. <laughs> the current summer. Yeah, and then you know stronger alcohol beers in the winter time. Um, what did also you? Known uh, as August. What did you bring us here today? Yeah, let's let's sample this. Yeah, yeah. we're so about to sample some the, harmonic. Uh, this is a Morasca bitter, um, and it's an English bitter. English bitters are awesome. They're usually lower alcohol, uh, very malty, low. Hot, lower hopped beer. Uh, it's called bitter because on their scale of what's balanced in England, uh, a slight amount of bitterness is considered really bitter. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, this isn't too scale, bitter. Uh, you know, American and especially Californian, uh, we lean towards the hops quite a bit. People, yeah. People's uh, tongues just love that bitter flavor here. Um, so it has a little bit of bitterness, uh, but nice maltiness, almost like a bread. And, yeah, it's uh, yummy. We add uh, Morasca cherries, which are kind of dark, um, 
dark sour cherries and the sugars ferment out and so it just kind of gives a little hint of uh, a cherry more on the aroma that kind of marries blends well with the um, uh, with the malt that's there it's delish yeah thank you the the goal is for most of our beers for all of our beers is halfway through drinking a pint of it we want you to want it more love it more right and again it's it's there's a fine balance of getting a wow factor up front, but there's nothing wrong with that wow factor as long as you want another beer after you're done with it. And that's kind of our philosophy on it. And, you know, there's a lot of different, that's the beauty of brewing or making wine or, or, or anything. It's all subjective, you know, it's what people like. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's something out there for everybody. And again, we're trying to put our personality into the beer, which is um, balanced, easy drinking and... Good living more after after a <laughs> pint, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always wanted more after I've had them. I mean, we've had conversations about it. I mean, I, I obviously don't know a ton about brewing beer, and I'm not a big fan of like hoppy. Normally, I think I've come to yeah. realize that's about as much as I know about beer. But, yep. um, yeah, I mean, this is this is really smooth and delicious. Now, what is this? Go I was ahead. just going to say, we think like people's palates and are kind of maybe coming back around to like a happy medium. Where there's still, you know, craft craft beer is big now, but there's still a lot right. of people coming into the fold. Um, but a lot of people were, you know, really pushing the big, hop, super hoppy IPAs, double IPAs, which, look, we love those beers once in a while. But if you want right. to have some beers in session with some friends or, you know, drink at different places throughout the day, you know, that between the high alcohol and just the super hoppiness, that'll just, it'll crush your palate and... yeah. You know, it gets old after a while, and I think generally people are starting to. Yeah, I can't even have more than a few sips to, of a beer like that. Yeah. Again, not that I'm a huge beer drinker, but. I think brewers, when the when the whole craft industry started blowing up, they were. They were uh, trying to show their skills and their craft, especially to other brewers and beer drinkers, uh, beer connoisseurs. So if one guy made a hoppy beer with eight uh, percent alcohol, well, the next guy said, "Well, look, look, I made a hoppier beer with a ten percent alcohol," and mm-hmm. that just kept going and going. And they're just trying to outcompete each other. <laughs> yeah. Sort sort of, and I don't think it's it was in that um, uh, that that's not the mindset that's there, but it's definitely I want to impress I want to impress people, right. and who they're impressing are other beer connoisseurs. And so to make a, 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 a more bitter beer with higher alcohol that still tastes awesome is uh, it's it's real tough to do. And, you know, to yeah, it's great to show people. But the pendulum is, has gotten pretty far over that, you know, there's some strong flavored beers that are high alcohol. Um, and we can have one sip and it'd be like, wow, that's amazing. And then you have two or three sips. and You're like, oh, my God, you're I'm done. done with this thing. Like. Yeah, that happened to me one night. Uh, I forget. It was a, a stout or something that I didn't realize I ordered. It was like 18%. And yeah. I was like, I think yeah. I had like three sips of it. I was like, I'm done for the yeah. night. And, and there are people I'm that are going to love that and only drink that. And you know what? That's great. There's, uh, you know, it's again what yeah. people like. We just think that there's a whole group of people that are kind of forgotten that, you know, either new people coming in or people that don't quite understand those flavors. Yeah, that that's was right, one. Layla. Exactly. Um, we don't like those people. And <laughs> and so you know, what we like again, we're we're making beers that that have to pass our litmus first, right? You know, right. every brewer makes a beer that they like 
first, you know. Well, I would hope so. I mean, like you're saying, you know, I think there are people that are like competing with other brewers and just trying to have like the, you know, best tasting beer that has the highest alcohol in it or something like that. And it's true. I mean, those kinds of things, whatever, whether it's brewing or anything you're doing, you know, those are the things that fall flat. You know, you want something that's authentic, like you guys are saying. I mean, it comes from your heart you know it comes from right. like things you love to do it comes from being in a city that you love to be in and you know uh gotta keep it, it real and, and yeah. you know and, and that the, the part of it is I, I don't i think maybe it factors in a little bit about making a, a more hoppy beer or something like that but i gotta tell you all the brew all the brewers that we've met <laughs> <laughs> i've Are never awesome. heard that sound from her before well you know the studio oh she's all right it's okay, Layla. I think, you know, meeting all the brewers in the, in the business, it's really a unique business. It makes us, this was one of the things that we really, that made us want to get into this even more is it's such an awesome industry and people are willing to help you. Like you're, you're telling them, hey, I want to I wanna, uh, be direct competition for you. And they're like, awesome, let me show you all the things I did wrong <laughs> and all the things that I would recommend you do yeah. for your success. That's and great. They're just they're just awesome people, and they want to more than anything, more than compete with flavors. They just want to share great beer with people. And right. That's great. They know that all that surrounds it is is having awesome times, and you know, yeah. beer. When people are drinking beer, it's usually a pretty good, pretty good time. <laughs> exactly. If you're coming into the business trying to be cutthroat and trying to dominate, you're it's going to probably backfire on you. Right. I mean, honestly, we're, it's business, right? So every brewer's in it to make money and to grow and yeah, and create a quality product. But it really is collaborative and it's the, it's the rising tide. I mean, people talk yeah. about that a lot in brewing. It's clearly, it's definitely a rising tide. You see it. I mean, places, San Francisco still has a way to go, we think, um, in terms of just the number of breweries and the, really the offerings here. Um, compared to uh, San Diego, compared to Denver area. Oh, really? Com compared to Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that. No, but there's dozens and dozens of breweries of all different sizes. And a lot fewer people. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, per capita, yeah. San Francisco is pretty far down that list. Oh, wow. Um, so, but that's, it's a cool thing. And other cities are proving that there's a lot of players can have, right. can succeed. Can succeed together. Um, you, not everyone's going to be the next Stone or the next Lagunitas or Sierra Nevada. Right. But there still will be some of those players emerge, and then it's plenty of local and regional business for everybody else to succeed to, you know, to a, to a decent point, that, which is what we want to do, really. Like, keep it local, keep it true to San Francisco and the greater Bay, Bay Area. Yeah. And really try to, you know, make that work for, for many years. It's great, though. I mean, that, it's, it's great that it's like a community like that that is trying, you know, that understands that, like, you know, you're all going to be better off and better together yep. than, right. you know, necessarily. There's a guild. I mean, a lot of states or areas have guilds, and there's a San Francisco Brewers Guild. Oh, really? Yep. That's totally supportive. You know, it, it helps get people, brewers together um, at Brewers Nights and just offers general support. And they're trying to also, you know, drum up tourism for, for, right. um, for local breweries as well. As a tourist attraction. Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of growth potential in San Francisco, and I think people are starting to get in, and it's awesome. I mean, there's just there's great beer being made here. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's you, just kind of starting, you know, which is which is. Do great. you think that, I mean, this is kind of a random question, but, I mean, do you think that, like, having winemakers close by 
is, uh, you know, helps or is, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, it seems to me that A, beer in some ways is like the new wine that so many people are getting into yeah, it in totally. programming, which is a good thing, like you're saying, and everybody's collaborative and things like that. I mean, I also feel like though, beer, you have the, and these are two like totally random separate points, but <laughs> the, uh, Let's go with it. You, you have an opportunity to be more creative with beer yeah. than you do with wine, Probably, I, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. You know, you Wine's can go a lot Wine's got really tough to, to stand out brand-wise just because there are so many brands. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what? And there's why is so there a Cabernet Sauvignon better than somebody else's? Whereas... Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there are obviously many, many great wines in the world. Uh, but, I mean, there's still a limited number of grapes. And I feel like, yeah. you know, there's blends and there's different things like that but it's not like you're adding in like passion fruit or you right. know other things right. like that i think but it i think that everyone has their everyone's wine is going to have their fingerprint on it and maybe sure. it's very slight nuances maybe it's something you know about the brewery how they operate uh, uh, the winery how they operate how you know, uh, is it a big place, small place? Have you been there? Uh, all of these things kind of factor in to, to allow the more choices for people, the better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let people taste what they want and figure out what they want uh, for themselves. And the more that's out there, the better, I think. Yeah. There's never going to be too much uh, beer and wine in the world. No. I mean, de definitely the wine industry and how it exploded kind of supports what beer is starting to do. Yeah. Um, and it's just also, also the mentality where people have gotten into different wines and nuances of wine and everything. People are starting to grasp that for beer too. Even down to food pairings is a yeah, big thing in beer right now. Yeah, ask you about that actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's it's definitely chefs and restaurants um, are starting to really grasp onto that. Um, you know, we're we're into food as well. I mean, Eddie especially a big foodie. Yes, um, an awesome cook. Awesome cook. Yep. I can I can uh, think about this beer with a nice rabbit stew. There you go. <laughs> That's right. That was amazing. When was that? A couple of years ago that you made that? I yeah. love that For, stew. For uh, Steve's Thanksgiving? Yes. Who doesn't love a rabbit stew? Oh, my God. That was the amazing. The rabbits themselves. So tell us, uh, so what's happening with Harmonic? I know you guys have been looking for some space. And, yes, uh, indeed. With, uh, I don't know, mixed results. What's, it's tough. What's the I, update? I, I think this probably is the reason why... Per capita, there's so many fewer breweries in San Francisco than in other places like John mentioned, San Diego and Portland, um, Denver. Um, it's just tough. There's a lot of factors here working against you, which is, right. you know, we have to deal with city planning and they've never dealt with breweries in the past. And so everything is kind of new. And every, when something's new at city planning, it's <laughs> it's a couple more months of figuring uh, it out of, yeah. of the process. Right. Any bureaucracy doesn't deal well with custom situations. Yeah. Right. So the custom situation for a brewery is like the they, tanks. And yeah. Well, the, well, the first thing is that you have to convince them that this is not. They literally one of the guy who's been great at city planning. Shout out to Edgar <laughs> or Peza. But he's just like you just make. Convince us this is not a Laverne and Shirley type of operation <laughs> with a bottling line and huge, right. huge machinery factory. and all this. Yeah, All of their code is basically written to say no breweries are allowed in pretty much all of San Francisco, but their vision of a brewery is huge yes. Anhe huge Anheuser-Busch facility. Right. Oh. Um, and what, what's their you know, micro problem with that? I guess it's just... 
noise and big machinery, heavy, heavy machinery. They think it's just a big factory. I mean, was that of, like we're, we're more like a small bakery than a big factory. Right. Um, I can't imagine there were tons of like huge mass-produced uh, you know, brewers who were dying to come to San Francisco. No, and we use the term microbrewery, but even microbrewery is a pretty big range of what yeah. falls into that. You know, Sierra Nevada is still considered a micro or a craft right. brewer. Yeah. And what about, like, Anchor? I mean, are they... Anchor's still considered a craft brewer. Yeah. You know, they probably are grandfathered in from, from being in here in the city. They're, um, like, probably the biggest brewer. Yeah. It's in really the setting up... In the San Francisco itself. It's setting up new places. So all the code is written for the big breweries. So when you come and you say, well, listen, here's what we are. They say, all right, well, send us a letter to tell us exactly what you are. Right. And then we'll get back to you in a month uh, to a let you know whether you can do letter. it. And, and, you know, and then all of the restrictions and... So that's really the one big hurdle. The second hurdle is really just starting a small business in San Francisco is extremely tough right now. You know, real estate's tough. Crazy. Um, prices are high. Um, Insane. That's by, been by far the, the toughest part. The prices. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough. To, you, you get a landlord that you say, hey, we, we want to start a brewery. Here are our hurdles. Um, it's going to take some time and uh, you know, the beginning's tougher for us, so it's uh, we want to save some cost in the beginning. And they say, well, why do I want to work with you and not just a tech company who can come in on Friday, set up a couple of uh, desks desks, and, and tables yeah. and start paying, start paying really high rent, high rent yeah. immediately? Yeah. And the answer is, you know, we're, we're really long-term and we're giving back to the city culturally – um, and we actually have a revenue model. Yeah, and it's stable. And um, yeah. And then again, then it's then it's a matter of how much how much does money talk. Uh, right. They make their decisions, and they they. It's easy for them to walk away from you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Especially these days. I mean, in San Francisco, it's easy. Uh, I mean, the yeah, people with money are pretty much, unfortunately, taking over the whole city. As is happening everywhere. Yep. everywhere. And, and, you know, it's, it's you look at even the restaurants and stuff that are coming. There, there aren't very many small mom and pop shops. Right. They're all kind of, it, they're like, it's one big restaurant um, company that's, yeah. or two that it are going to start, that are start opening other restaurants and they see models work. Right. Which, you know, there's not necessarily anything that wrong with it, but we do need individual culture small businesses to thrive in san francisco money's not everything you know we don't just want to give tax breaks to to twitter uh and and have these big companies that are pumping a lot of money in that's great but there's a lot of things to consider and part of it is you know how do we keep these small businesses in which which give the personality to the city yeah i mean that's how i know that i've been living in san francisco for a while because i keep coming out with statements like that and talking about like how the character of the city is is changing and all that stuff is but i mean it's sad but it does seem like it's kind of ine- inevitable it's inevitable yeah. it's constant every, change I every mean, that's... neighborhood is becoming gentrified and basically yeah. becoming the same exact neighborhood i mean now where i live in the twitter loin next to yes. twitter who is not paying any taxes Mima. for years nema which I'm trying to get the Twitter loin to uh, take hold. So. I like it. Patent it. Patent But what was the point that I was making there? Uh, just, I mean, 
Oh, there's they're gonna put they're they're building like a new Westfield about three blocks from yeah, the old I saw Westfield. That the I'm other like, day, I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I'm like, who are these people moving in that can't go the three blocks <laughs> yeah. to get to the like 200 stores that are right there? Which was already expanded a few years ago. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. <laughs> like the whole neighborhood, there's just uh, another <laughs> condo going up in every corner. I mean, yeah. I I guess. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know if it's the yeah. You tell them, Layla. I don't know if it's the technology that is caught up with, like, you know, I mean, it used to be that there was, an, you know, you couldn't build past a certain height in yep. this city because of earthquakes. Yep. So I don't know if it's the technology or they're just throwing that out the window along with any money, business baby. having to play, pay taxes. The mayor wants to see the money. It's terrible. I don't like it. It's crazy. But we are just to, I mean, come bring it full circle. The, yeah. the best parts, what, what we're trying to do in San Francisco is also just tough because of, you know, zoning, which is fine. Like people's zoning is there for a purpose. So that neighborhoods do have a certain character that aren't too commercial or too industrial in our case. Right. But actually South of Market here is actually zoned really well for what we want to do. Yeah. There is a great new brewery about a year or so old cellar maker just a few blocks down from here. Oh, really? Uh, who's doing really uh, great stuff. Um, you know, we were actually looking at a place, negotiating with a place just a block from here that just fell through, just didn't work out financially. Um, Unbelievable. But, uh, you know, the dog patch is the other area that's really hot now, and it's zoned well. There are big buildings down there. Right. So that's where our focus is um, right now. Yeah. So what? Uh, so what you guys are trying to do is, I mean, once you do get settled in and find a place, is to have what? Just uh, production or so tasting. It's a production area, um, first and foremost, with uh, a tasting room, a tap room that people can come. And again, this is a lot of kind of what we feel is a place that would be that's cool that we like to go into. We want to be part of the processing. We want to want the equipment around us that makes the beer and for people to see this is how your beer is made you get to drink it right here and uh to kind of put our our personalities into it which is you know make it a little edgy have some cool music playing and growler music not, not to complicate <laughs> it too much you know it doesn't need to be complicated a lot of places you know you want to go grab a beer and it's a restaurant and and a little tough to find a seat because people are eating and this and that right. we're not doing a restaurant it's um you know, place where people can watch a game or uh, listen to music most of the time. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and see their beer being made. Yeah, we definitely like that community feel. Right. Of yes, this is, we we make the product right here and we serve it fresh to you. And you know, we want it to be comfortable, but not doesn't it's not gonna be the most beautiful high end space. Like it's right. just not where we're coming from. This is beer is the every man's drink and. I don't care if it's the best beer in the world. Like you want to just be chill and comfortable while you're enjoying that with some right. friends or make new friends, you know, over some pints. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. Someday we're, we're psyched. Yeah, it is so be awesome. will there also be any like distribution to restaurants or bars or? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we we want to get our beer out there. We want people to drink it, you know, um, and so are those kinds of things like available already? I mean, can you do that already, or you you want to wait till you have a whole? The the licensing is you know, requires you to have for for the model that we are doing is we need a facility first. Okay. And then we the facility then kicks in licensing, licensing. equipment, all that setup. 
then the state ABC comes in, inspects, and hopefully gives us our license. Yeah. There's a couple of other ways to do a lot. Some people, they, they, they go a contract brewing way. So there are a couple of big, bigger microbreweries in the area that have some open space for production. And so some companies will go there and say, here's my recipe and help them brew the beer and package it and distribute it that way. Yeah. Um, which it's is great. Again, you know, getting, getting great beer out there to the people. Uh, our personal philosophy is we want to make it for you uh, ourselves on our facility. Yep. Uh, right. Kind of a little more personal in that regard for us. Um, yeah. And so, so it's going to take a little, takes a little bit longer going that route. Um, at least, you know, it's, it's kind of an all-in type thing. We're, we're in with, with the brewery, lease, getting all the equipment, and then, then we start making beer. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So we can't sell our beer anytime soon until we get, you know, licensed. Right. But we take bribes. <laughs> there you we go. can give it away. Uh, oh, that's what I meant to say. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we can give it away, um, for example, for certain events like, like, like the this Saturday. weekend. Yeah. So yeah. it's the Eat Real Fest. And if people haven't been to the Eat Real Fest, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's a lot of local. Uh, it's, it's a great. Uh, it's a food craft institute, great organization that's really looking to promote local food crafts in the Bay Area. Um, I took a class through them, uh, a beer brewing class, business of beer class. We met with all the brewers in the area, which, again, like I was saying, they're just so willing to help and share everything yeah. that they've done. Uh, that was great. What was that, like a 10-week class? or 12 weeks. Uh, yeah, we brewed with a lot of people uh, in the area and talked marketing and um, general philosophies. And it's just awesome to hear that, again, people are in it for the right reasons. Yeah, that's here. awesome that brewers are just, like, open. I mean, are they just, like, sure, come in, bring your class of people? Like, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, listen, everyone wants more beer out there <laughs> and, and right. good beer. And, you know, people who drink beer, it's not like, well... This new brewery's out, so I'm drinking their beer, and I'm not going to any other brewery. Right. It just gives gives people a little more variety to choose from, and again, yeah. different personalities and different beers. And some beers are bel some breweries center on Belgian styles, some on really hoppy styles, some on uh, you know easy drinking traditional, traditional English, English styles. styles yeah. So you know you go to whatever you're feeling at the time, and doesn't yeah. mean you don't go get a Belgian beer if you're going to get an english beer today you know right you can try them all the beer sorry to get just throw stats at you but craft beer <laughs> aka good beer is only like 14 percent of the u.s total beer market oh wow so the other 86 percent i don't yeah. have a spreadsheet available is that correct <laughs> the other 86 percent yes. that sounds about right is still it's it's <laughs> beep, 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 beep. it's InBev. it's it's budweiser it's miller and coors yeah. Which, fine. It, look, we all like, you know, a good cheap beer. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> I forgot you used to say fuck. Sure. You know, We're uh, FCC free. FCC free, baby. But <laughs> sure, sure, I mean, look, some people, you know, we can are always going to drink their Bud Bud Light. That's fine. We, we'll drink Bud Light, you know, on a hot summer Apple day sometime. Rita. Oh, yeah. For sure. Listen, uh, not, there's a time and place for a Budweiser, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm all for a Budweiser, obviously. But you used I mean, to drink the Bud Heavies. That was your yeah. That was your style. I still like Bud Heavies sometimes. I mean, you know, I, I I can't I can't drink a large amount of beer in a day anymore. So I what about uh, Beam and Coke. <laughs> that <laughs> I had a long run with Beam and <laughs> Beam and Diet Coke. 
Because of the sugar, though, not because of the calories. Yes. I can't even imagine drinking that many Beeman and Cokes in a night anymore. I would, like, be violently, violently <laughs> ill if I had, like, just what I used to drink on, like, a Wednesday. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, but, yeah, the idea is to that all the craft brewers are really rallying behind is drink craft beer instead right. of the macro beer. And drink local. Drink more local. It really is like a cool yeah. local thing, uh, cool local businesses to uh, support. Yeah, that's yeah, great. I it's kind of in line with like the food movement. Too. I think I totally. think a lot of people don't realize that you know beer is best when it's fresh, right? And when it's getting shipped from uh, you know other end of the country here, and um, you know it's it's Budweiser is a well engineered beer. They got great quality control is coming from my engineering background <laughs> it's for me missing some heart uh some soul in it uh but right. again it has a time and place for me as well um but drinking fresh beer is something that when people start experiencing it they say wow you know never expect expected my beer to taste like this right um and it makes a big difference taste like this Yep. Especially out of taps. I mean, in bars. Oh. And so, like, that's so nasty. Draft beer so many times. Oh, a dirty tap or just a, an Ugh. old tap is disgusting. Yeah. You're better off drinking a Budweiser out of a bottle than something out of a dirty tap. Dirty, yeah. yucky If tap. you get a clean tap and a locally made fresh beer, it's a sublime experience most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we started all this talking about the Eat Real Fest, and that's, oh, uh, right. that's this Saturday. Yeah, we so, get the so, plug in. So they were awesome to invite everybody who took that class to to say, hey, listen, you know, if you're starting a business and you want to share your beer with people, come on down to Jack London Square, uh, serve your beer with all the other craft beer in the area. And that's great. Uh, lots yeah. of food trucks and they got music uh, stages set up. Uh, I think Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada will have uh, tents there also. Right, but everybody's already tried those. Exactly. We know what those taste like. Exactly. Yeah, they're awesome. They're delicious. Come <laughs> try what's next. But it's just it's you know it's a nice day out. Uh, how much beer are you guys gonna be bringing, and how many how many types? Probably bring like uh, I mean, there's gonna we're not gonna run out of beer, so we're bringing a little extra. You know, okay. 10, 15, We can only gallons. do tasters. They're just limiting us to tasters. It is a donation, and there's right. certain limits. So what is it, three or four ounces at a time? Yeah, I think three or four ounces and a couple tastings for each person. So we have a couple. We have three different styles that we're going to be going through. We'll have this Morasca bitter that we're trying right now. Which yeah. is delish. And again, Tasty. I meant to say before, I mean, I... What was that beer? One time you made me drink like a sour or something. Yes. And they're, they're hot right I now. couldn't even I couldn't even do more. I did I think I think I did four or five sips of Sour's that. Sour's definitely That's more of an acquired taste. But so is right is a sour and a bitter a different thing? Yeah. yeah. So I sour is you're adding <laughs> all of the, how much I know uh, about these things. You're adding some bacteria and some wild yeast that normally breweries are trying to keep out of their beer. But you're adding them to uh pretty high extent to, to transform your beer, uh, give it a little more lactic acid, some acetic acid, um, and give it a sourness, almost like, you know, kind of like drinking balsamic vinegar. That's that's yes. all acetic acid, but... Uh, I haven't tried that. Um, but, it, you know, <laughs> Put it's it an acquired taste, and, and they're, they're, it's a long, tough process to make it. You know, it takes about minimum six months to a year to, to make a good sour, because the bacteria oh, has really? to eat it very slow, eat all the sugars there very slowly. Um, give well, this, all of their yeah. subtleties into the beer, and it's a sour beer that has a lot of character. You know, wild yeast adds a lot of character. Funk. Um, 
funk. Yeah, they call it <laughs> barnyard funk. You know, <laughs> this is where we start getting into dirty similar sim- similarities to the wine world, where it's like, oh, I taste leather. Um, <laughs> I can taste rock. This one tastes dirt. like pleather. It's delicious. <laughs> um. Well, this, this, I mean, this to me doesn't, I know it's different, but it doesn't taste like, it doesn't taste bitter. I mean, I don't it's not really. It's super bitter. No, so. It's pretty it, yummy. All across the world, people Once have different again. scales of what their beer, how they like their beer. Right. Either leaning towards a sweetness or a maltiness or a bitterness. So you go to England and they're probably the most even uh, balanced beers. Not too bitter, not too sweet, nice maltiness to them. You come to the U.S. and the scales get tipped, and we go very, very heavy on the bittering hops, the aroma hops, everything hoppy. We're a hop world. Hop it up. We get crazy on everything. You go yeah. to Scotland, and they, they go very heavy on the sweetness. They like their beers sweeter and, and almost no bitterness to them. So, again, it depends. It's it's everybody's preference and um, oh. and uh, and making beers that that the people in the area like you know what's like a sweet beer i mean do, do we have anything here that would be considered sweet yeah, like a, a wee heavy is a higher alcohol sweeter sweeter beer it's a, a wee heavy uh you know <laughs> scottish style uh ale um try to think malty anything that's really heavy on the malt oh okay yeah, and, um, and you can have malty without being sweet you can have you know german styles are a lot of them are very malty um, and they can be light malt, they can be darker malt, more caramelly type malts. Um, and then, you know, really here in, in California, we have the California I- West Coast IPAs that are kind of yellow, orangish in color and just hit you with a ton of bitterness. Right. Um, okay, so what uh, are the other beers that you'll have at the Eat Real Fest? So we have a Northwest Pale Ale. Um, I think it's like a five point. One percent, uh, easy drinking pale ale. Not too, uh, not too many bittering hops, but a lot of um, late edition hops. When what that means is it's a lot of aroma um, in the beer without getting too much of the bitterness there. And we actually got our hands on some fresh hops. So hops are uh, picked about once a year, and right around uh, now, or yeah. in the past few weeks. Oh, really? And they're typically dried. Where are, they, them? where are they grown? Is there an area of the country? These that? were from the Clear Lake area. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but knows. Oregon and Washington are real big hop growers. Iowa's, I think, in there, up there too. Corn um, and hops. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, typically they dry hops and then they preserve them and brewers use them all year. You can either, either use them whole like that or they make pellets out of them, which help utilize the hop oils a little bit more. Um, but we got our hands on our, some fresh hops, and when you get fresh hops, you got to kind of use them right away. Right. They don't hold. They, they have a lot more water in them. They're fresh. Uh, they can spoil. So we use them in our Northwest Pale to kind of give uh, kind of some nuances to the aroma and marry with the flavor of the beer. All right. Layla's weighing in yes. at the moment. So She's then uh, we're also going to have the, the rye old-fashioned. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is again a kind of a, a take on the cocktail, but you know, really beer focused, not trying to m- mimic the the cocktail, but just an inspiration where uh, the rye gives some spiciness, and there's a lot of nice citrus, hop, and aroma in it. Um, we love it. It's it's a really nice, easy drinking beer. We had just uh, tasted some of it last night. Just to, we always got to do our quality control 
Right. So our friend, of we course. also got to give a shout out to our friend Dave Rogal, who's Rogi. graciously let us uh, use a good chunk of his garage for <laughs> storage. And Yeah, we got a 40-gallon brewing system there that we built, uh, <laughs> our pilot system. So we've been making uh, all of our beer um, in on that system at his place. The makeshift garage brewery. <laughs> you know it. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. The neighbors seem to love it. Definitely. Oh, yeah? People Have don't expect a big... You know, huge burners out on the sidewalk and boiling pots and smells <laughs> and all that stuff. Have they uh, have they done any tasting in the neighborhood? One yeah. Of them, yeah, one guy has. Gabe, the yeah, neighbor. Stopped in. We had a dude. nice nice little session. <laughs> he took time out of his wife's birthday party to come for a <laughs> session a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? I'm not sure if he told his wife where he was, but... <laughs> yeah, not sure. He was hanging. Too about that. Well, you know, he had a cake for it, at least. I, I think it was about 40 minutes into it. We said, what's in the box? He goes, oh, it's my wife's... Uh, my wife's birthday cake. <laughs> I got to get this home I soon. I should go. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it wasn't an ice cream cake. Yeah. So he said it was he fudgy the whale actually. Yeah. To pick up cake and ends up hanging out with you guys. Yeah, it comes back buzzed. That's great. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do when there's a brewer uh, brewing fest going on? You're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to not drink with us. Yeah. Right. Well, that's great. I mean, hopefully that'll just be the same vibe. Maybe you should just put some uh, brewing equipment out on the sidewalk on the dog patch. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of along the along the lines of that kind of garage homespun kind of vibe. That'd be great. Just have yeah. a, an ongoing garage party. Yeah. We used to do that at my grandmother's. We always had garage parties in their in their screened off garage. Oh yeah, you gotta have the garage party. Yeah, <laughs> keep the hooch in there. And... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, have, like the moonshine machine, the brewing equipment. <laughs> It'd be perfect. But you know that's the vibe we're going for with the brewery is you know have people come there and and let them see the equipment and explain to them what we're doing. Right. It's not rocket science, you know. There's definitely uh, science and art that goes into it, and uh, I prefer if you know along with even if you don't drink our beer, you're making beer at home. That would be a, a bigger goal of mine to see everybody making their own beer. Yeah. Um, I think we have to, you know, I. I John and I always talk about our, you know, our parents' generation. They they did a lot. They made cheese. They made beer. They yeah. my parents are Croatian, so they they made wine, grappa, Vinegar, cheese, yeah. uh, pr- their own prosciuttos. Wow! And what is our generation? We don't do that Nothing. much. Um, and everything's available for packaged. us. Yeah, but you know, you come to San Francisco and you see people are trying and they're doing things and they're stepping out of the box and making things, and that's why it's awesome. I yeah. mean, there's no better place in the world for us to. Uh, for people to share their craft and to start doing things, you know. It's like the homemade uh, homemade version of beer. That's it's it. like, uh, I always just say that with, like, my grandmother's garlic crabs, you know. It would be so great to have a restaurant or uh, something. I love the garlic crab. come in and be like, okay, or, or, or just anything, where somebody can come in and be like, this is what we're cooking for dinner tonight. If yep. you want it, come and buy it. You know, if not, it's like. I don't think Audra, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if people realize that Audra makes the best garlic crabs on the planet. Ah. Uh. Well, no one can top your crabs. <laughs> no one does crabs like me. It's uh, all credit to my grandmother, Grandma Emma. You can put yes. a sign every time you're cooking outside of your outside of your window. Audra has crabs. <laughs> <laughs> I just got. There's no need for that sign because, as John knows, you can smell them for miles. Yeah, you'll and for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, the last time I made crabs. I think it was uh, I was staying at John's apartment, and it literally reeked in there for like a week. I yep. couldn't even get rid of that smell. It was bad. We stocked up on the uh, Febreze and just 
yeah, shocked just the whole place. Like every window open. I don't know how that happened. Exactly. What do you think, Layla? <laughs> I she loves garlic crabs too. And Daddy's beer. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. She definitely is looking like she wants to make a big announcement. This child was inside of my wife five months ago. This is insanity. <laughs> it is insanity. And now here she is on the air live, making history as the first ever infant guest of FCC Free Radio. And she will be, I'm sure, the uh, mascot at uh, the brewery. Does she still have, I mean, her little junior, what was that? Onesie she had? Junior Assist- brewer? Assistant brewer. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Brewer. She just grew out of it. We're getting stocking up on them again yeah you just got to get one in every size she's so good <laughs> um all right so did we what is there anything else we need to talk about at the eat real fest how can people get tickets and so it's free and it's an it's, it's family friendly it's all ages okay it's free which is amazing and it's you, but you do it there's awesome food trucks there there's beer and wine we have a good friend of ours uh, uh serving his Sandy beer boy. on friday friday night uh, so it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, so there's plenty of opportunity to uh, go and check out what's there. I think there's different stuff on different days. We're there on Saturday, but uh, our friend Sam has uh, his brewery, New Normal. Um, He's in planning as well. Um, okay. Looking to open in Oakland. In Oakland awesome yeah. beer. Uh, he's going to be serving his on uh, Friday Friday evening. night. And we'll be serving only from 4 to 9 p.m. on Saturday. Okay. And I think we're going to be, there's like a main building area, I believe they're going to have us set up in. We'll have like a harmonic sign. Um, Excellent. And then, but a lot of the festival is cool. It's because it's, you know, it's going to be beautiful weather. It'll be, there's a parking lot and a walk, a sidewalk area along the uh, harbor. It's in Jack London Square, you said? Yep. Over in Oakland? Yep. Um, and it was, you know, we, we we only heard about it last year, and it was huge, like tens of thousands of people. Really? It's big time. Yeah, yeah. I've never even heard of it. Lot Is of there going to be any kind of, like, uh, pairings or anything like that? With, or, like, food and beer pairings? Or, I don't, you don't know. Not for us. They might be doing it with some of the others. It looks like they've kind of revamped it a little bit compared to what we experienced last year, where it was like, okay, this is the food truck area, and this right. is the beer truck area. Um. So I don't know. We've, you can go on their website. It's I don't know exactly what the URL, but Eat Real Festival. There's a bunch. They have a bunch of maps and schedules and all that stuff. Right. Excellent. Well, that sounds like it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what are we looking at here? It's about ten of five. Um, yeah. We're gonna have to take a station break in about five minutes. But station uh, identification. Yeah. Um, to the nation. What? <laughs> to the nation. <laughs> Station identification to the nation. Um, By the way, Public Enemy was on Fallon. I was going to say that last was, night. They tore it up. Oh, and, really? And they were see. awesome. Oh, I didn't see it. I don't really know Public Enemy that <sighs> much. We'll, we'll have a have a little session over the weekend. <laughs> we'll play some deep cuts. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. I love that they did an old track, too. They did a track from the Yo Bama Rush uh, yeah. album, first album. Totally reinvented. With the roots backing them up. Really? Yep. I wish I could, uh, I wish I could be more involved in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Fallon has had some great guests on, though. He, uh, That's his angle. He works the music angle, and it seems great. to play really well. I mean, he's 
He really can well. do anything because he can do comedy and do skits. He could do. He can sing. I mean, he's a legit musician. Let alone the fact that he can do great imitations of singers and yep. come up with that kind of stuff. Super yep. talented. Layla likes him as well. That's wrong. All right. Well, we are going to probably take a short break here. and might have another guest coming in soon. Yes. Well, hopefully we'll be joined by Scott Reddick, also of Growler. And then after the break, we can uh, play some Growler music and uh, hopefully get some insights on the, uh, the music, the growling. Growl on. All right. Uh, let's see. I keep having technical difficulties, but... Uh, we're going to make it happen. All right. Uh, la, 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 la. I hope this works. You are listening to San Francisco's number one internet radio station, FCC Free Radio. Radio for the people, by the people. FCC Free Radio is powered by Waywack Radio Networks. The Little Black Egg. A great choice for your screen printing needs in the Bay Area. The Little Black Egg has experience and know-how when it comes to putting ink on garments. From t-shirts to tote bags, hoodies to hats, and everything in between. Competitive pricing, low minimums, and no maximums. San Francisco-based Little Black Egg can work with individuals and businesses and can get the garment and brand you want. Need screen printing? Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or through our website, thelittleblackegg.com. Hi, I'm John Miller, founder and general manager of FCCFreeRadio.com. This is a showcase of some of the great programming here on FFR. Stay tuned. Cool. We're going to get into it right now. So tell your friends we're here for one more hour to listen to us live. Otherwise, you can find us archived. Just check us on FCCFreeRadio.com, Studio 2B, the cool lounge. Here we go. Real Rasta Vibration Show Fridays. You don't know the thing set. 7 to 10 p.m. on FCC Free Radio with Iris Selector. You don't know. Big up a cell fire. I say this is the reason I don't want to go back where I'm coming from. The Rasta Vibration Show, they are playing reggae music for me. Yes. You're listening to Bob's Radio Cafeteria. Saturdays, 2 to 4 p.m. In Studio 2B on FCCFreeRadio.com. That was good. I like that one. You are listening to FCC Free Radio, San Francisco's number one internet radio station. Make sure to tune in to The Skull Show, Sundays at 8 p.m., only on FCC Free Radio. Accidents out on the highway to somewhere they tell us about when we're young. Rescuers working to clean up the crashes before she can see what they've done. Nobody told her she'd lose in the first round. The last fight was fixed from the start. 
technical difficulties. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here we are. We are back. I think I managed to do that. Um, and my apologies for playing a yellow card song in the middle of uh, when we we're going to be playing growler music, but uh, we just needed a little, little extra time on break. But uh, please disregard <laughs> anything having to do with that. Um, and we are also, we're waiting for Scotty, so we're not going to, we'll, we'll talk about Growler a little bit more while he's there. But first I wanted to ask you guys about, uh, get the guy's perspective on uh, all this craziness going on in the NFL. I know you guys are both big football fans, and we can't even really talk about football these days without talking about all the craziness that's going on. I mean, I, th I guess from the female perspective, I would have to say, like somebody like Ray Rice... I mean, yeah, like obviously the whole two game suspension thing was ridiculous. I mean, the NFL, I think, really is the the main culprit in all of this. I mean, it's like they just foster the whole. I mean, obviously, it's a violent game. Right. It shouldn't change. I mean, it's the game and that's fine, but it's, you know, I mean, it's like they just, they make everything worse. I mean, they extend the season and do all this stuff to, to make more money. And it's obviously like, you know, all this aggression that these guys have on the field. I mean, it's like, I guess you can almost see why it's like such a prevalent problem among NFL players, but I don't know. What, what's your take on it? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's hard to support it. I mean, when you look at that, I mean, I find even like, I mean, this is kind of off the topic, but having spent some time in the mental health field and talking about like concussions and all of that stuff, like I find it even a little bit harder to watch just watching them kill each other. But then when you talk about like all this stuff going on off the field. Right. Right. To me, the bigger problem is, is the NFL doesn't want to talk, doesn't want to see certain things. We don't talk about it, and we don't have a responsibility. And, you know, these are things that right. we find out are domestic violence is starting to be a little more prevalent. But we set major rules. You know. I think it's probably just coming out more. I doubt it's that much more uh, you know, prevalent. And especially they're talking about like how the wives have to just support the player and don't don't mess anything up for the team and don't talk to the media and right right do to fix it when they oh my the god the problem is is they I didn't have your microphones on technical difficulty <laughs> I'm hello. an asshole hello I'm sorry about that. I don't know if anybody heard any of that. <laughs> Ugh. It's all right. Football 
Great. NFL, Ray Rice, bad. crappy. Yeah. Surprisingly, Verna, John Verna is telling us how uh, he is having trouble watching the sport. For the first time in my entire life. Since I was four years old. Yeah, I mean, you were somebody who I, I've known to almost like cancel client meetings Sundays for games. Sundays on lockdown. <laughs> and, and again, I think you know they've they've heard about a lot of the of these problems before, but until they're perceived as problems in the mainstream media, they they just wanted to close their eyes to it because the money's being made, and right. that to me is a major moral issue on on their part. Definitely. Um, you know, now now they're now they're doing stuff with Ray Rice is like, all right, well, so many people uh, are, you know, reacting to it. So we're kicking him out of the league. And right. that's it's purely reactionary. reactionary yeah. yeah. Now that it's come to and light it's to save to save face a little bit for, for themselves. I don't understand how it took a video of, By, of him punching his wife to, to determine yeah. that it was more than a. I mean, that was all what on TMZ happened in, 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 uh, in that uh, yeah they're like elevator. what yeah what did you think happened like yeah. she just suddenly lost consciousness right but that, that <laughs> she should, tripped it, yeah, and it, fell into his fist it demonstrates nicely what they think of people is well nobody asked nobody said oh did he hit her did he punch her uh, right there's no video of it so let's just go two games and and let's move on and let's make our money apparently Ray Rice confessed months ago he said like i hit it i hit her yeah. right you know, with the team i think the gm with them and there's like, gonna well, be major we'll take changes. care of this right <laughs> yeah don't worry about it right there, there are too many people coming under fire and quite a lot of questions start starting to swirl around there's going to be administration changes probably in the nfl and they sh- there should be you know they're talking like, about bringing condoleezza rice on to oh i heard that regulate oh my she's god she's in college football she's uh, she's everywhere NFL. she is a big fan that would be interesting to see what happens there but uh i mean it, it's sad you know like it, it's true i mean it's just like a commodity and they treat uh yeah they treat players i mean it's almost like i you know you think about like daniel uh, what was his name donald sterling in the nba who oh, obviously yeah. thought of you know that he just owns all his players and it's like that's oh, yeah. that's obviously the way they think of it you're just a commodity yep. you know you're and if you're a wife just shut up and be quiet yep. and do what we say you're because we're going to be making tons of money in anyway yeah we have know. to pay tons of money and not pay any taxes and well, what is the deal with their nonprofit status it's how is that a thing i mean they they probably make more money than mind multi billion dollar organization that is clearly driven by profit right i mean a hundred percent motivated by profit to the to the extent of like screw the the health and well-being of anyone associated oh, as soon as us. a player is like starting on you know be the downside of his career oh, yeah cut him right save money pay the next guy pay the pay the young guy who's gonna you know make us look better it's ridiculous i mean it, it is a sad state of affairs and i think the cool thing that's kind of getting lost in all this like terrible news is that the nfl players association recently won uh like their claim to reduce the suspensions for certain drug offenses yeah basically anything that's not performance enhancing oh yeah which is crazy that you can get a four-game suspension for, for smoking weed smoking weed yeah. and two games for yeah clocking your wife it's true, because I was just reading something about that, too, and they were saying, like, more NFL players probably can benefit from medical marijuana Absolutely. than probably, like, any other group of people in America with all yeah, of their yeah. pains. Give these guys aches. something. I mean, they're smashing their heads against each other, and they're, it's it well is, documented yeah. how, how much pain they go through during the season especially, but also having to train year-round. 
yeah, having to train year round and then even after they retire and having all kinds of brain injuries and, and things like that. I mean, it's, it is, it's so ridiculous that it, they can It comes can't. down to, you know, something I've, I've always felt very strongly about using data to make your decisions. And right. now finally people are starting to see a lot of data about marijuana and realize, wow, this is not bad. And, you know, we have, we have phobias about it and, and they're, you know, it's taboo. Uh, our parents right. said it's terrible or, it's, uh, you know, certain generation labeled it as terrible. Yeah. Well, somehow marijuana and, and Layla is very unhappy about <laughs> the weed versus alcohol thing. And you're right. You should come down on the side of weed. Exactly. <laughs> weed good. It's true, though. I mean, it's like weed has just been stigmatized and was made illegal. I mean, don't forget there was a time in this country where booze was illegal and everybody went so apeshit over that that they had to bring it back bring and it make, back. make it legal Absolutely. again. I mean, it's like it's a million times worse for you than than weed. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's crazy to think about somebody like in the NFL who gets beat up for a living and, you know, is going to be fired if he... Has a, joint has a couple puffs at night, yeah. I mean, you look at, like, Timmy Lincecum. I mean, he's obviously, they're fine with it. I guess marijuana is not banned in baseball? Is that? No, it, it <laughs> is. I'm mean, pretty sure. I don't know exactly what the what the rules are in terms of what, you know, the, how much level they find Remember. in your blood or whatever. But right. I think they test once once in the beginning of the year, and maybe that's it. I'm, I'm <laughs> that's not exactly it. sure how it works. It's crazy. That said, you got also just some of these <laughs> athletes are really stupid for how often they get caught. Yeah. I mean, there was two guys on the Steelers earlier this year, one of whose last name is Blunt. I mean, come on. <laughs> you just assume he's high all the time. Yeah. They're, you know, hanging out together in a car, smoking out. I don't know if they were speeding or what it was, but you always hear the guys like, oh, they're speeding in a... Right. Sweet, like, sports car <laughs> with a billowing smoke out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on. You're going to get caught. Like, right. do, it, do it at a party, do it at home, something like that. But And one of the guys was like, oh, I didn't even know you could get a DWI for, for weed. I thought it was right. only drinking. You're like, come on. It's true, though. You got to be mean, a little smarter than that. I guess. I don't know. I don't know if it's exactly the same thing, but I can see why you would get a DUI <laughs> <laughs> for weed smoking. It's not the same, but it's it definitely, I mean, it's mind-altering, and then people just need to look at the info that's available of what it does for you and what kind of limits are acceptable. And, again, it all should come down to public safety for any of this stuff. Yeah. Is, right. Is I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anybody. As um, long as I'm 21 or older. Right. You know, there's there are responsible rational ways of thinking about things that's the thing though i mean i think there's still such a large majority of this country that thinks of like weed and like heroin as being pretty much the, the same, same thing it's class know? yeah same like, class oh yeah they're both instead terrible instead of thinking that like weed is actually healthier for you than cigarettes and alcohol i yep. mean alcohol is like i think like the fourth leading cause of preventable death among yeah. adults in this country and nobody seems to be up in arms about you know anybody having a beer after a football game or something like that no, you know? before during and after yeah harmonic brewing <laughs> harmonic, harmonic brewing, brewing supports uh, responsible drinking that's right. <laughs> that's right of course we do before midnight then it's <laughs> irresponsible <laughs> responsibly irresponsible as long as you're in the safety of your own home Exactly. Or you just get a taxi home from the brewery or the bar. Yeah, that's the other thing with athletes and just famous people in general. 
number of DUIs. I, it baffles me. They, they have can, a they can afford number twenty four hour a day. Yeah, chauffeur, chauffeur to do anything and to, and to make these terrible decisions. I just don't get it. Yeah, well, they just want to be, you know, driving their expensive cars, I guess. I mean, yep. I think they're just living their lives, you know. We're people with lots of money and lots of expensive toys. They're young, yeah. We want to go play with them, and we're just obviously going to... And consequences don't... They haven't factored that into the equation. Yeah. I think they're above consequences. Right. I mean, we've run into that millions and millions of times as <laughs> professional right. athletes who think they're entitled to do whatever they feel like doing. Yeah. But right. that's the scary thing about, uh, I mean, that's the scary thing about domestic violence in, uh, in football. I mean, I really hope that something can be done about that. I don't really know what ever could. I mean, it's like not like football is going to become a less violent game or like less yeah. of a, you know, I mean, I think from like childhood, boys are like, you know, you can't, you know, you can't be weak. And, you know, boys who play football is like you can't, you know, you can't express the fact that you're hurt or that maybe you should come out of the game and it's like that whole culture and and you know it's easy now for the nfl to just kick ray rice out of the league and say oh that that was terrible you know instead of the responsible thing is you know it's a problem and you set up educational programs that you know your players have to go through because it all comes down to education fixes everything and so that's not easy though no, it's not easy. I mean, there's still consequences to what you do. Yeah. But you set, I mean, if you know there's a problem, you set up systems to try to fix, fix these problems. And then if, any, then if people start to abuse the, the, the system or, or don't follow the rules, then you, there are laid out consequences of well, what's the going to happen. There's no consequences. I mean, that's, that is exactly. It's nothing the uniform, issue. it's different for everybody, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like when the consequence of beating your fiancé unconscious is two-game suspension and also marrying that fiancé, you know, I mean, it's like... And the charges were dropped in New Jersey, I believe. Yeah, because he was in Atlantic City. And isn't he, uh, isn't he, like, appealing his suspension, or...? There's some appeal now because now they suspended him indefinitely after the TMZ video, and he's appealing that. I mean, like, on what grounds? Like, I'm it's the, the double jeopardy game. grounds that they gave him two two games, and that was his sentence. And now his they've sentence. they've <laughs> upped it. It's not like he's in prison. They, it's, he's pointing to the same thing. Double jeopardy. Now that's yeah. that's entitled. I mean, for an yep. NFL player to be calling double jeopardy on a on a two game suspension. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. And I mean, what about, well, Adrian Peterson? That's a whole other story. People are like, that's, that's crazy. fine because he's just disciplining his children. And I'm like, you know. Well, he's also one of the biggest stars in the game. Yeah, I love how after they lost, they were like, well, well, <laughs> well maybe he's not suspended. It's not really bring our him business back. whether or not he beats yeah, his yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've lost terribly. Crazy. That's a tough one. I mean, I, I agree that's a little bit tougher to say, you know, but. I mean, there are people who argue that, you know, they, they're the person they are because their parents whooped them or whatever. But yep. I don't know. I mean, when your kid is, like, bloody, then that's a little bit more of a problem. Uh, yeah, that's what somebody calling in. Somebody's calling in, but they I'm afraid to get us. it because last week it was a uh, – should I get it? The guys in the other studio said somebody was calling them, too. Oh, boy. Last week it was just feedback. Hello. 
Hello, is Fred there? Is who there? I'm calling for Fred Lazarus. Oh, boy. That's not his number? No, he, his show is on, uh, I think, Thursdays. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. We had that happen last week that somebody called in for Danny. They they both have thir- shows on Thursdays, everyone, who is not listening to my show and thinks they're listening to their show. Jump in the gun. Jump in the gun. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so Adrian Peterson. So he's back. So is that it? Is well, that now it's, it's good. I mean, it's changing by the hour, it seems like. The Minnesota governor got involved, and he's like, oh, really? Good for him. And he's kind of like, he was like, we don't want this guy representing our state and you know, our team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, at least child abuse, there are, you can point to specific rules i mean just like assault too but i mean yeah i don't care how you were raised there are laws that say if you yeah i mean a child to a certain extent open wounds right it's and excessive. that is the crazy thing like people have been saying it's like that's the only like assault that people don't get uh, that people don't get charged for yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, I think there's a difference between spanking. I mean, we all had, like, I had the, w- the wooden spoon, you know, my mother oh, yeah. running around, pocky pock, as she used to call it, <laughs> pocky pock. And I'd be, like, you know, hiding in the corner of my bed trying to avoid the wooden spoon. And that's fine, you know. I can't imagine actually doing that to, <laughs> to a child in this day and age. But, right. you know, whatever. It is what it is. But, like, when you have a kid who's, like, bloody and, you know, like, bruised. And like, he's a four-year-old. It's like... Yeah. If a four-year-old did something bad, it's not like he really yeah. consciously knew what he was doing. Like, yes, right. you set him straight, but does it have to be that excessive? Like, Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you proving with violence to a four-year-old? That's terrible. I mean, that is. That's just, that, that's, that's going too far. Too and wasn't far. there something that, like, it came out that he had beat another one of his kids or something like yep, that? Yep, now there's some other case that's pending. Ugh. He also, I mean, one of his sons is, you know, from one of many women, I mean, died well, like a year ago. Oh, really? Yeah, in some negligence case. I mean, it wasn't him, but it was like, you would think like he had a son die. And of course, you know, he asked for privacy during that time and everything. Right. But it's like, you would kind of like, you like just want to like love your kids even more and just be like, you know, yeah. like a cooler dad, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Had a whipping him with a tree. You'd appreciate it more. With a tree? It's a tree branch that he hit oh, the kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's a southern thing, apparently. Oh, a really? switch, they a call switch. it. A switch. I have heard of switch. And I you, I don't know if he did this to his kid. He's only four, but like the part of it is ingrained that you go pick the branch from the tree and break it off, give it to oh. daddy, and daddy comes whips you with that tree. Oh, that's evil. Just for the extra Yeah, just for F- the extra you. fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, it's like dads who make their kids like go get the belt. Get the belt, yeah, same shit. Oh man, I can't crazy. Even imagine that. That's crazy. And when your dad is like an NFL superstar, yep. Yeah, he's gonna he'll he'll grow up to be a, a normal, well-adjusted oh, child sure. for sure. <laughs> Maybe he'll end up in the NFL someday. <laughs> I just, I mean, <laughs> and probably not ever beat anybody. Nope. I can't even. I still can't get over the fact that they are. A nonprofit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, is there? I, I can't imagine that there's any chance of any of that changing. Or it, I mean, it's not like the NFL is ever going to go away. You know, I mean. No, you, but I mean, this is like a reckoning time. T- like this is this is getting it's wor- getting worse and worse by the day with all these cases. And there's okay. other cases coming up more and more. 
So do you think that, uh, what's his name, Goodell, is going to lose his job? Uh, it's, it's a distinct possibility. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's still a lot more to come out, but it, he looks negligent in the Ray Rice case for sure. Yeah, I mean, they were saying there was all these, uh, like, such an increased level of violence during his tenure and stuff, and that's exactly it. It's like, well, there's no consequences, so they're going to, why not? We yeah. might as well. The thing with the Ray Rice thing is how does TMZ get video that the NFL cannot? Yeah, I don't know. How does TMZ get anything? They well. keep getting all these elevator videos. Yeah, they're big <laughs> in the elevator scene, yeah. <laughs> They've got contacts in the yeah. elevator camera yeah. industry. Yeah. Clearly, they're probably watching eleva every elevator in the country as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just scanning through footage. Uh, well, we still have no uh, extra growler drummer showing up. Scotty is not to be found. So what do you think we should do? Should we, should we go ahead and play some tunes? Yeah, let's play a tune. All right. Did you give anyone any? Does anybody have any idea who Growler is? No, I have not really uh, given too much of an explanation uh, or an intro about Growler. So go ahead. Growler is a non-performing. <laughs> We're like the best quasi band that you'll never hear of <laughs> other than this show. And that will never perform for you. Yeah. So are you guys ever going to have a gig ever? Yeah, maybe. We're thinking about breaking into the uh, senior bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah circuit. <laughs> The it's senior? An, it's, yeah, it's a new, it's a budding niche where uh, <laughs> elderly people who just who aren't Jewish just want to get bar mitzvah. Oh, really? Yeah, so we're gonna play those gigs, see and see how that goes. <laughs> Is that really a thing? They no, just, they just no, it's, def, it's not a thing yet. But we can if anybody wants thing. to start booking them, let us know. <laughs> Seniors, are you? Do you feel like you've never quite become a man? <laughs> <laughs> never quite had the rite of passage you felt you needed? Yeah. To truly accept adulthood. It's the senior bar mitzvah <laughs> starring Growler. Yes. Okay, so do you guys, so what are we going to play? Do we, we have a song called Original? Is that an original yeah, that's Growler? The tune? technical uh, title is uh, Gambrino Hockey Mask. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> we, the, the background of the band, real quick, is yeah. a bunch of just friends of, uh, of us here. Eddie is, is on bass. Scott, who may, might show up, is our drummer. Right. Um, our friend Steve is one guitar, I'm the other guitar. And then Mike Denzler on uh, keys. Keys. And yeah. vocals. Who's the main So the vocals, vocals is the... Is Everybody? The, yeah, well, Mike and Scotty chip in on the vocals, but I, I wouldn't say anybody's particularly strong in the vocal <laughs> in arena. <laughs> Still looking for a, a vocalist? We're definitely looking for a vocalist, male or female. Definitely got to know some classic rock and belt right. out some soulful and bluesy type of stuff. All right, That's folks. an open call for any, anybody, anybody who even just wants to jam and give it a try. An official open call for a lead vocalist for Growler. Yep. Okay. The pay is uh, nothing other than maybe a little ganj and some, some beer. <laughs> some good times. And plenty of good times. And how often do you guys jam these days? Less because of the babies entering into the fold. <laughs> Our infant guest, among others. Yeah. But we try to do like once a month or so. Lennon Studios here, just a few blocks away in Soma, is awesome. Excellent. <clears throat> They're on a little alleyway called Dory between uh, like Harrison and Bryant and seventh uh, and eighth or eighth and ninth. Are you Lennon guys Studio. like solely there these days? You've been at Lennon for a while. Right? Yeah, yeah, we've been jamming there for years, and uh, you can rent space every in three hour chunks. Okay. And uh, or you can do like a monthly 
rental where you can keep all your equipment there, but awesome, awesome place. All right, so tell us, so what? what's the name of this song again that we're going to hear? This is the, the Gambrino Hockey Mask, and if Scott were here, you could, he could give you some kind of background <laughs> involving some character in some book that he's been reading. Okay. Uh, coupled with um, Jason from Friday the 13th with the hockey mask. <laughs> and so this is a, a Growler original. It's a Growler original that we came up, came up with. Scotty's on vocals, but I don't even know if the vocals came through because we record this in some crappy like single track recorder oh, okay um but this was actually the first time we played the song and it's a little rough but given it was the first time we played the song we we had some fun with it all right awesome and we have a little bit of an intro going into it and then we'll hear gambino what is it gambrino hockey mask gambrino hockey mask all right here we go And so it was this day, London 1967 here, with the BBC. It is an as yet unnamed band. And so it was. You are listening.
and so it was this day, London 1967 here with the BBC. It is an as yet unnamed band. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Growler with an intro and outro by Dave Rogal. <laughs> it was mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, of course, as normal uh, due to my own technical difficulties trying to make things happen. So the name of that song, once again... Gambrino Hockey Mask? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Scotty is stuck in traffic. He's just texted, which oh. is another f major factor of San Francisco life these days. Oh, my God, that's right. It's in the middle of rush hour. And a major factor of Scotty. Yeah, well. that too, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard they might actually start uh, in you know instituting a, a tax downtown during rush hour for cars. I I assume it would yeah. work similar to like the Golden Gate Bridge cashless thing. Yeah, where you'd have toll. to pay a toll to be downtown at all in a in a car during rush hour. It's kind of crazy. I like the idea. I don't think it'll really deter anybody <laughs> from driving because everybody's got tons of cash here, anyways. Right. Exactly. It's like, like ah, I'll pay it. Yeah, and that's the problem. All the people with cash are like, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so Scotty was going to tell us about his, uh, right, did he write that song? or? We, he just kind of, he comes up with lyrics just kind of spur of the moment. <laughs> He'll usually just give a smile and a nod and be like, yeah, I got, I got a little something. <laughs> a little something brewing. Yeah. That riff, I don't know, it's, I mean, it's a simple riff, definitely kind of Black Sabbath-esque or just kind of yeah. classic rock, simple riff, three chord magic <laughs> and we just kind of we've been we've we started playing just you know covers obviously any band just getting together right trying to see if they mesh kind of thing years ago with so lots just, of improv yeah lots of improv lots of volume lots of oh, effects yeah. we put a call out to eddie for a vocalist eddie eddie actually stepped out during the time with layla and we found him uh guesting on another show here on fcc i was trying to get her to sleep <laughs> and uh, I walked into a radio show, and she kind of behaved herself, so we did uh, <laughs> 10 minutes on another show. I thought you left the building. I was like, the guys uh, who do the next show after mine are out there. I'm like, did you see a baby go by? And they're like, oh, yeah, she's on the other, on the other podcast. Um, nice guys next door, by the way. Yes, lovely. Bob Benson, but the Bob Benson Show. He was very excited that there was somebody else who uh, used their name as the title of their show. And Layla has now made history as the first and second infant guest on oh, yeah. FCC Radio. Yeah, very accomplished. Yes, very accomplished for a five-month-old. Took me it took me forty-three years to get on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we had uh, while you were gone, we we did put out a call for uh, a, a lead singer auditions for yeah. Growler. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we'll even take a backup singer. Anyone. I wish I could sing, but definitely yeah, not cannot. Um, yeah, we've been trying to do some more originals, though, and it's it's actually, we tend to play looser and better when we don't know what the hell we're doing. You just improv it. Right. And if it comes out well, we're like, all right, let's remember that for next time and tweak it a little bit. It's well, again, that's more fun. Part of the goal is not going out there thinking that we're going to play shows and become famous. We're just going to have fun and. Right. Uh, I think it's the right way to it's approach it, and and it kind of comes out as it's just a fun hobby. Yeah, it comes out better music when when for at least for us when we want to play that way, you know. Right. No pressure, no pretense. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, do you guys usually write lyrics or Scotty just comes off and comes up with them off the top of his head while you're playing? Yeah, stream of consciousness. <laughs> so, yeah. would they, would there's, they there's either no lyrics, which is when we really excel. <laughs> yeah. Mike Denz, our keyboard player, writes uh, writes some lyrics for some of the songs. Yeah. Okay. I mean, is a is a lead vocalist going to be required to come up with their own his or her own lyrics? Yeah. <laughs> not not a requirement. Not necessarily. No. Singing is the only requirement. Singing relatively on pitch. Yeah. And bring right. beer or whiskey. That's another requirement. Yeah. Free gange was offered as well. That's right. Yeah. And of course, harmonic beer. Absolutely. That's how the name Growler, that's how we got the name Growler. Oh, really? Yeah. From from beer? I think I brought a Growler in for one of the jams, and of course Scott had this (laughs) revelation. He's like, Growler, that's our name. That's us. I feel a connection. A a Growler is a type of beer? or No, it's just a bottle for holding holding beer. It's the vessel. It's the vessel. And what, again, is a harmonic? <laughs> from a musical standpoint, yeah, yeah. Well, we know what it's it is. An from overtone a accompanying a uh, fundamental tone, but on like that yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. It's one of the coolest <laughs> things about any any stringed instrument. Right, it's a type of it's. You've heard it in a million songs. Okay, uh, where it's it's like a high pitched uh, overtone. Bing, yeah. bing. Does this guitar work over here on the... Uh, oh, I don't know. You would know better than me. Uh, I mean, it's strung up. It's probably out of tune, but we can play harmonics. Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. Harmonics. Maybe you guys should come up with a theme song for the Audra show. I've been... <laughs> I asked Danny Detchy to uh, come up with a pencil theme, but <laughs> he wasn't able to do it in the time allotted. Danny's one of my favorites. Danny, the number number one, number two pencil musician. You got to love it. He's holding a uh, he's hosting a comedy competition, the Walk the Plank competition, and John Verna has gotten the guitar off the wall. Let's see, let's see, what we got. That's basically like just a high pitch. Can you hear that? Yeah. But it's amazing because you can. Only I hear a rush. <laughs> you can. Only, it only. Well, it works. It comes through clearest only on certain frets of the guitar. Okay. And this is a six-string guitar, but you can do it on bass or probably even do it on like, I don't even know, on violins and stuff. Yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah. It's strength. But it's just Excellent. like a cool song. Like so many rock musicians will use it. Yeah. And you wouldn't really think about it, but it is like you, you're not pressing down. You're not fretting it. You're actually like playing like just fingering over the top of a, of a note. Interesting. It's amazing. I know nothing about making music, which depresses me, <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it is what it is at this point. It's never too late. Yeah. I don't know. They say that it is. It is too <laughs> late. <laughs> they say that learning guitar is not something you should really, you can really pick up once you're an adult. Is that true? No. That is pick incorrect. Any, pick anything up. That is incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Who is they that told you this? I don't know. Yeah. You know they, the powers that be. They yeah. say you should learn when your fingers are you know, young and, and nimble and flexible. Actually, when I was a kid, they told me I should play the violin or the piano because I had long fingers and yeah. I was just, you know, lazy. I thought the violin was dorky. See. And so I ended up playing the glockenspiel because yeah. it <laughs> oh, had... because it's not dorky? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I like carrying a giant metal thing around with me. Just telling people that you play a glockenspiel. <laughs> I, I played it because it had the, uh, <laughs> the letters on the notes. 
they yes. were like engraved on there. The cheat sheet. Yeah. So it was easy. So I just had to go through my music and like write all the letters, and then I just cliff pound note, away. Cliff notes of instruments. Yeah. That's how I mastered the Muppet Show theme song on the Glockenspiel. <laughs> nice. That's a talent. It was a good one. We played it. We played it in band. How old? How old were you guys when you started playing? It's about twelve. Yeah, four. I started on a 15. violin. Oh, really? Yeah, for a year oh, or so, that. and then moved to the bass. Two of my cousins played bass, so. So you moved over. Yeah, they were big metalheads. Yeah. Early Metallica, Iron Maiden. Oh wow. Uh, and then just took it from there by myself. Who were those kids we saw on uh, Colbert Report? Oh, uh, last night. Unlocking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. What did they Young, do? They were like 12 years old, and they were playing some some hard metal-type rock. Three kids. On the guitar? Black kids. I mean, you just got to say it. It's, oh, I think it's amazing that and Colbert was just interviewing, and then we had no, no idea what kind of music they played. Right. Um, you know, cool, hip-looking kids. But, you know, we were like, all right, it's going to be a hip-hop band. Like, look, stereotypical, but 99% right. chance they're going to be like hip-hop. <laughs> Racial pro- profiling on the Colbert show. Yeah, but we're like, oh, let's check, let's check these kids out. <laughs> In this situation. They're on Colbert, Colbert you know, probably yeah. pretty good. Right. And they just crank up their <laughs> instruments, get on drums, bass, and guitar. Yeah. And they were explaining that the, the name of the band is really like, uh, for other kids out there, like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You yep. know, you don't fit into a category. and Right. Just just go for it. By the way, your comment before of they told me I can't play can't <laughs> learn guitar after a certain age. That sounds like a Pink Floyd lyric. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe that's where I heard it. They told me I wasn't allowed. I don't know. I mean, you know, just in uh, my in, in trying to play guitar hero several years ago, I was pretty retarded doing that. So I can't imagine actually Figuring out how to move my fingers in that. It's, I mean, practice, it's, practice, it's practice, practice. You have to be willing to practice, and it's frustrating. But it's like you have these little breakthroughs where you're like, oh, now I get it. Or like you just get to that next level and then keep pushing yourself. When did you start playing? Uh, I was like 14 or 15. Oh, really? Yep. When, when you're that young, I mean, teenager, like, yeah. You see it like, you see like Eddie's cousins played bass. I had right. a friend, a couple friends who started playing guitar a little bit before me, and I was like, that is awesome. Right. Like, I got to do that. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had something like that. No, I didn't have anybody playing the glockenspiel who I could look up to. There's not a lot of <laughs> glockenspiel masters out there that are inspiring the youth of America. It's very sad. I gave it up after sixth grade, and that was that. And then yeah. I was just like, oh, it's dorky to be in the band or play an instrument. That's how it wasn't. In my, bandos, where I grew up, everything yeah, was dorky. were dorky yeah. back in the day. New York. 80s, New York, yeah. everything was dorky. Yep. Even like tennis and golf, dorky. Super dorky. Yep. Band was dorky. It was like, I don't know, what, what did I do? I mean, I, I played softball. Yeah. That was fine. That was cool. Yeah, being on uh, sports was, was considered one of the cool things. Yeah. I mean, for girls, it was kind of iffy, you know. I mean, I, I do <laughs> joke about that in my stand-up, how guys grow up thinking, you know, they could be the next Tom Brady, but girls are like, well, you're going to be considered a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's true, you know. It was like you could play certain sports. You can't go – you couldn't really play field hockey without too much shit. Yeah. You know, softball was definitely a little bit on the fence there uh, for girls. Yep. New York is uh, – Ruthless. I was ruthless. Ruthless. I even tried. I tried soccer, and I just got made fun of relentlessly. Really? I was like, yeah, I wasn't very good at soccer, and also basketball, which was sad because uh, I think I played. You could dunk. (laughs) 
because I could totally power dunk. But (laughs) senior year of high school, the girls basketball coach came up to me and he was like, uh, I went to like a big high school, so he didn't know who I was. And I was just walking down the hall by myself one day and he goes, "Uh, wait a minute, excuse me. He goes, what year are you? And I'm like, I'm a senior. And he's like, ah, why haven't you played basketball? He's like, you have the perfect frame for basketball. I'm like, I totally suck at it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Trust me. I tried in eighth grade. I got made fun of. I never tried again. I was a straight A student and I had to pretend that I was terrible at school just to fit in, which that just sounds wrong. It sounds, (laughs) I got to pretend I'm not smart or. Yeah. That was because uh, because nobody will like me. That's that kind of sums up <laughs> growing up in New, in New York. Uh, it's true in the eighties, pretty pretty well. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. I went through that too. And for a girl, it's like just got mocked if you were if you were smart at all. Yep. So that was not fun. But no, playing an instrument for guys at least it was like total yeah um, total way to be like yeah it's cool I'm gonna get chicks chicks hey, it's kind of motivation but I mean it's true though. Girls love guys in bands, yeah. regardless for sure. of what they look like. The growler groupies are just amazing these days. <laughs> All those groupies that line up at Lennon Studios. Big time. we got to get security detail. Yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't really get into our, um, our religious philosophy discussion that we were hoping for. I didn't, oh. I didn't find a new segue. We've got about five minutes. I'm assuming that... Uh, I was going to ask you, actually, if you... You went to... Public schools, right? You never went to like Public. a Catholic all boys Catholic high school. You did, yeah. Ugh. Maybe I knew that. So is that where your uh, views on <laughs> religion were formulated or unformulated? I had a cool religion, te- religious teacher, and, and we re- read something from from the Bible, and he's like, "You know what that means?" And I was this, you know, good Catholic boy. I was like, "It means we should love each other." And he's like, "No, that was a racial slur." Uh, <laughs> This group hated that group. You have to know some history regarding the people that were writing this. And I was like, "Oh my god, people writing this? What?" You know, <laughs> yeah. And boom, and then you start to think about it. And yeah, you start to think like, "Well, this does not make any sense," especially as, as a scientist, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think very much in terms of reason. You know, I think even one thing me and you, Audra, differ on is, is the. Uh, supernatural and things like that and you know i'm very much i know you know there are things that we don't understand but uh, i personally don't like to give explanations for things unless there's data to you're not watching these ghost hunters shows where they (laughs) have some (laughs) crazy device that can translate spirit voices into human voices (laughs) that's not data for you no no, (laughs) it is not peer-reviewed data Here's my one question for you, though, as a science person. I don't watch those Ghost Hunter shows either because I know I'm going to have nightmares, not because I don't (laughs) believe them or don't think they're cool. (laughs) And I do believe in that kind of stuff. But my thing with uh, my one thing with spirituality and like science is the whole idea of like energy and the idea that, you know, energy can't be destroyed. And like the thought of that as like, I guess your soul or your spirit that, you know, kind of after it's done animating your body. Well, so that, it, you know, so that, like what happens? That's to that where energy? I would stop you. And I would say, 
what makes you think a soul is animating your body. It's a number of biological well, there's processes. There's a conscious or something that's yeah, animating yeah. you and, and taking you from like right, a dead body to an alive body. Right. Well, it's biology opposite. and uh, science that's, that's keeping you alive. And but a it's lot also of, a lot energy, people, no? Well, there, yeah, sure, there's energy. And when you die, that... Uh, the energy it's not like it's it's gone it's yeah you you decompose and it goes back as your to cells the break apart it, it makes energy and but that's not yeah that's not your soul though no. or your consciousness but what makes you what makes you think there's a soul the scientists se. are i don't have all the it's, facts on this but there are they've been there's things that have come up recently where they're saying they can isolate the consciousness yes and put they're working on ways to fo- test whether the consciousness can live outside of a body Outside of a physical being, right? I would love to see that data because I don't, I don't, blo- I don't believe it until I would see something. But it, it, it comes down to biological systems and physical physics and and physical systems, and everything has an explanation. And I, I definitely agree that there's a million, you know, countless things that we do not understand. But right. I'll not try to formulate a hypothesis for it <laughs> and say, well, that is as feasible as anything else that's out there. No, definitely we, not. There are definitely uh, points of... There, there are different degrees of things being statistically feasible, right? You know, I For can sure. say, well, I yes. can say you, you cannot prove to me that there isn't a, a, a midget leprechaun floating around my head. <laughs> Little you person can't, leprechaun, you can't, like people prefer to be called. You well, can't, dis- you can't no, prove I, that that's not it, I but I can't I prove can't, it either. You right. know, so, and there's right. nothing that it, that's in our world that we've collected data on and analyzed to show that that is a higher probability than not being... See, I don't know. I mean, I don't. There hasn't been data that's been collected and analyzed, but yeah. there's been plenty of examples of like people, uh, you know, channeling or talking to people that have passed over that yeah. like have information that you could never possibly have. You know, I mean, we it, were we it were talking needs about to be it's questionable, more. right? And, and the data is just because somebody channels somebody, right? You have one explanation in your mind of that's channeling. Meanwhile, I can say, well. Maybe they research some data. Maybe they're giving you facts that no. are hitting. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's y- yes or no. It I'm just saying there, there I could mean, I be. I think there are people that do that, but I think there are people that, you know, can. can. There could be a million explanations for something. And the, the only time that an explanation starts to hold solid ground is when a detailed study uh, and a well thought out study starts to prove it. In my mind, in your mind, in your totally. But you need we need scientists or scientific people to explore and research unknown things. We're we're all allowed to have. That's why Einstein is. Yeah, we're all allowed to have hypotheses, right? But we shouldn't we shouldn't talk to other people as if they are a probability. My hypothesis is not probable until I can give you data to show that it's probable. And some right, of I agree, there, but that's know, the like, same thing that could be said about like saying there it doesn't exist. You know, I mean, no. there's no data that says things don't exist. <laughs> that's that incorrect. Super- yeah. That is incorrect. I, I, that's I, that, it, that's seriously. You that, have data saying that there's no God. No, but, but when you make a claim, that's when you need data. You, you can't say. But you, you are making a claim that you it doesn't prove exist. That, you can't prove that I. That, that, centuries and centuries and centuries of people believe exist, and you're making the claim that it doesn't. No, you can't prove when I turn around that my face doesn't turn into, uh, you know, uh, 
energy and you, and there's no face there. You know, like, well, well we got to go with the data that we know and things that, that help prove things. So just to say you can't prove this, you can't prove that it doesn't exist is like saying, well, you know, my hobby is not collecting uh, uh, stamps. It's like it's, it's something that's not there doesn't mean mm, it's not know. the same as it being there. Uh, you know, people who don't believe that in unicorns, you know, there's a name <laughs> atheist for people who don't believe uh, in God, um, that have no belief in God. Th- there's no word for people who don't believe in unicorns or people who don't believe in <laughs> Yeah, but there's not like books written about the leprechauns. existence of unicorns, and right, there's not like millions a, of people who believe in different types of unicorns that do different that's things. That's right, but what, that, but what gives... How do you know that? I mean, so I how about Mormonism? I don't believe in religion. How about Mormonism? Somebody came up with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I That's think I agree discount, with you on organized but... religion. I think all organized religion can be discounted and is man-made and is different interpretations. And if you believe in religion, you have to understand that, you know, there's there's other religions. And so there's no way of saying like, okay, mine is correct. Right. When but with regard, even, out there. with regard even to people saying all that, you know, millions of people have believed in this. Well, back, back in the day when the people didn't understand science and they saw a meteor fly through the sky they said oh my god that was god that was something right that is just uh, well, maybe uh, uh, unexplainable and it must be something from another world or you know right so well i mean i forgot what i was going to say scotty has shown up as we're about to say goodbye scotty do you want to say a quick hello as we're signing off he made it through traffic Rock on everyone uh- <laughs> Not surprising that to go the two miles from downtown to Soma at five o'clock took an hour. Yeah. Oh, well, we're sorry that we missed you, but unfortunately, I really, unfortunately for that, and unfortunately for this discussion, that I wish we started earlier and want to continue, but uh, we've got to sign off. So um, I just want to say thanks so much to Harmonic slash Growler yeah. for coming in. Thanks for having us. And uh, you can find Harmonic Brewing on Facebook and also on uh, Twitter. The Twitterverse. The Twitter. And come and see them at uh, the Eat Real Festival on Saturday in Saturday, Oakland. Saturday, 4 to yeah. 9 p.m., Jack London Square. Thanks for having Get us, Audrey. This is awesome. All right. Well, thank Love you. Love your show. Halloween. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> <laughs> Growler Halloween, Halloween Fest. Jam? We might have to practice. Yeah, well, we might have it's to talk about away. that later. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for coming. And that does it for episode six of The Audra Show. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. And uh, we hope to have you back next week. Take it easy. You are listening to San Francisco's number one Internet radio station, FCC Free Radio. Radio for the people, by the people. FCC Free Radio is powered by Waywhacked Radio Networks. The Little Black Egg, a great choice for your screen-printing needs in the Bay Area. The Little Black Egg has experience and know-how when it comes to putting ink on garments. From t-shirts to tote bags, hoodies to hats, and everything in between. Competitive pricing, low minimums, and no maximums. San Francisco-based Little Black Egg can work with individuals and businesses, and can get the garment and brand you want. Need screen printing? Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or through our website, thelittleblackegg.com.
Hi, I'm John Miller, founder and general manager of FCCFreeRadio.com. This is a showcase of some of the great programming here on FFR. Stay tuned. All you have to do as the audience is to sit back and relax and just cool out and listen to these joints and just tune in and tune out and vibe out while you're doing that. So with that, let's go ahead and get into it. You know how we usually do. <laughs> 